Thank you for joining us on the Overcoming Monday podcast, where we provide you little secrets for your big breakthrough. This podcast is designed to enhance your emotional and spiritual health. Our mission is to help you understand yourself, the people you love, and the world around you so that you can win where it matters most. In each episode, we'll hear from writer, speaker, mom, and pastor's wife, Shari King, as she invites you into conversations about the issues that matter most to you. Now, let's get started. Hello, Overcoming Monday listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in to episode 62. Today, we're discussing the overall idea of servanthood in the Bible. And the title of this podcast actually is How Jesus's Servant Nature Changes Our Bible Reading. So we're going to talk about how God the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit all have servant attitudes towards us and even each other. Um, Therefore, they serve as examples of how we should love one another, but they also give us a lens through which we should read, interpret, and live out our faith. Before we begin, I have to say this again. If you haven't listened to another episode in this podcast, then maybe you don't know this. We are turning this podcast season into a video resource, which you can access on the CKM Resources website. And I'm so excited that CKM is doing this because I really believe that this is going to be something that you and maybe like your small group or a group of your friends can go through to really understand how to read the Bible. Today, I have a friend with me from our CKM ministry. CKM, in case you don't know this yet, is Clayton King Ministries. Her name is Sarah, Sanda. Her name is Sanda Randolph. Sarah Randolph. And uh, Sarah, will you just take a minute to introduce yourself? Yeah, so I am from Anderson. I grew up here. I'm the youngest of four girls, and so that was really fun. I ended up going to Liberty University, and that's where I met my husband, Jeff. Mm -hmm. And he is a youth pastor um, in the local area, and we also have a two-year-old. Her name's Lydia, so she keeps us on our toes, Mm -hmm. keeps life fun, and definitely entertaining. So that's kind of where we are right now. Yeah, she's really cute. She, You always have wonderful stories about her. And you guys actually went, have gone through some struggles with her hearing. Will you tell people just a little bit about that? Because I know that there are probably people on your same journey who would love to hear. Yeah, so she actually has had like chronic ear infections mm-hmm. and has struggled since she was young. Um, and we have gone through, we're on our second set of tubes with her, but also got her adenoids out. And it wasn't until the second set of tubes and her adenoids coming out that we realized we really don't think she could hear as well Mm -hmm. because she started coming to us and asking, what's that noise? And with everything, just normal everyday stuff like the air condition or the refrigerator. And I just don't think she could hear it. And it was just crazy to us because we had no idea. And it was kind of like, She was discovering it all. Um, And so that was really fun to watch, but also kind of hurt my heart a little bit because, you know, you just don't want to see your kids go through that. But I think we made definitely the right choice getting Mm -hmm. that second set of tubes and, you know, just helping her figure that out. So, yeah, as parents, it's so hard when they're little and they can't verbalize everything. And she didn't even probably know she wasn't hearing things. And then when you know she has the operation she realizes things she didn't know before which actually is very symbolic i think of this podcast we're doing today because i truly believe um that one theme that 
pervades the Bible is the theme of servanthood. Mm -hmm. And it's seen in the character of God and every person of the Trinity. Right. Um, but we also see it in Jesus at when he came to earth. Um, but then we see how he was that example. We also see how many of the people that God called to serve him were servants, you mm -hmm. know? And when we think about leaders, we think of them as leaders, but really they probably just felt like they were servants right. um, most of the time. And so it's so good to have you in the studio with me today. Thank you for having me. This is your first podcast. I know, me. a little nervous, but you're but doing, excited. You're going to do great. You're yeah. already... Um, doing wonderful and super well-spoken, maybe even better than I at this point. Um, I had a crazy weekend where we were pouring out a lot, and so I'm feeling a little bit disoriented in my brain. So if this podcast isn't as smooth as normal, I apologize in advance, but I do believe that God's going to speak through Sarah and I, hopefully, to you guys today. Um, some of the things, I wanted to start off this podcast by giving you guys a little bit of um, some references in ways that the Trinity has served us mm -hmm. as people. So this is kind of weird to talk about the Trinity um, because it's three in one, and so sometimes your words get a little jumbled because you're saying it, he, they, all the things. But I want to clarify different ways and in which the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit have served us as servants and even each other. So in the Old Testament, um, very much the Father is reaching out very a lot of times um, as an angel, um, but specifically we see him with the Israelites where he appears as cloud and fire, and he's guiding them in the day and the night so that mm -hmm. they don't feel lost in the wilderness, so that they mm -hmm. feel his presence there. I love that beautiful picture of God just being present with them in that yeah. moment. So he serve, he's serving in that way. You know, he's a God of the universe. He doesn't have to walk day and night with his people, but he did because he loved them. Um, he also decided at one point to say, hey, you guys build a tabernacle and then you put in the middle of this tabernacle a box and I'll live in it <laughs> so that you guys know that I'm there with you, but don't touch this box or you might die. You know, pretty much because God's spirit is so powerful, but I love that he did not want to stay separated, but he wanted to be in community with them. And that's why he did that. The next thing that, well, another thing that we see is that the father sends Jesus to be the perfect sacrifice for our sins. And so we may have heard that a lot in this religious Southern Southern religious culture, and maybe we take it for advantage, but pretty much the Trinity is living in community. And at one point God says, son, you're going to go to earth, you know, and he's willing to sacrifice that community with Jesus for a time for us to benefit from Jesus giving his life for us. Um, next we see Jesus living among us and teaching us about the father. Mm -hmm. Um, I love that about Jesus because he is teaching us about the Father. He didn't come and talk about himself. Right. And, mm. and don't you think that's so... Um, I just think that's typical Jesus. Mm -hmm. Typical Jesus is just servant, like from beginning to end, even in how he came with his birth. Mm -hmm. So humble mm -hmm. and just giving us just the greatest example of what that can look like in our own lives. Mm -hmm. And so when I think of Jesus as the servant, I just think... That just depicts who he is. Mm -hmm. Like that's his character. Yeah, he wasn't born into the greatest nation, into the biggest palace, 
among the wealthiest family. He was born not at home (laughs) in a stable with animals, uh, as far as we know. And, you know, in a humble circumstance really is what scripture says. Um, in a place that there wasn't room for him in a normal inn. Um, and so he goes into a place where not a hospital like us, uh, where he is born in a humble circumstance. Um, but he's still glorified because you have angels celebrating, you have shepherds who come and visit and wise men. And so that's the beauty of it is that God brings people around his son to celebrate. Yeah. And I think that's what we're supposed to do too. I'm mm-hmm. getting ahead, but like, bringing people in to just celebrate who God is. Mm -hmm. And as we serve, I think that's... Yeah. So Jesus's birth alone brought people in to glorify the Father. Yes. Yeah, that's neat too. So Jesus uh, at one point decides to return to the Father. His job here on earth is done, and it's Mm -hmm. time for him to return to the Father after he's resurrected. But he cares about us so much, and God has a plan. The Trinity has a plan that we are not going to be left alone. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Yes, I know. Um, Because people before the Holy Spirit was sent um, had to figure out how to live for God without His presence in their lives. I can't imagine. I can't either. But how humble is it that the Holy Spirit says, okay, now God's not going to, the presence of God is no longer going to exist within a tabernacle, a building, a box, and be carried around, right. and you can only go and visit. But now the Holy Spirit is going to come, and each person who decides that they want to have faith in Christ is now inhabited by the Spirit of God. Yeah, and the Holy Spirit, I just think He's so cool because mm-hmm. all He like He's constantly just pointing us back to the Father, mm-hmm. and that's just what we need all the time, mm-hmm. every minute of every day. Like we need the Holy Spirit to guide us and to point us back to who God is and to point us back to truth. Like Mm -hmm. that's what the Bible says he does. He reminds us of the truth of what Jesus said. Yeah. And I love that. He's our comforter. He's our guide. He's our helper. Mm -hmm. He's all of these things. But even more than that, he transforms us into becoming who it is that we are created to be. And I think it's just we learn how to listen to him and I think the fact that he inhabits our imperfect human vessels is a humble act in and of itself. That servant yeah. attitude, you know? Yeah. He doesn't have to do that. So um, we want to move from this. So we've been talking about the Trinity. Let's move specifically into Jesus and some of the ways that he served when he was here on the earth. Some of the things that I remember was... Um, that even when he was tired, he would serve people quite often. Like I remember when he um, was traveling and he went through Samaria, he saw the woman at the well, he was tired, he'd been traveling all day, he wanted water, he saw this woman and he ends up starting to minister to her. Yeah, and I think even um, being in ministry myself, and I I know you know, Mm -hmm. it is hard when you're tired and you, I get kind of peopled out. Mm -hmm. And the last thing I want to do is talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. And Jesus always showed compassion. Mm-hmm. And Jesus always gave of himself, even when he was tired or lonely or whatever, you yeah. know. And so with the Samaritan woman, just the compassion and the service he gave to her, even knowing who she was, yeah, you know, that didn't matter to him. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's huge. Like, he didn't care about he cared but he didn't 
hold it against her, Mm -hmm. you know, her past or who she was. Mm -hmm. He still intentionally ministered to her. Right, because in that time, rabbis weren't supposed to associate with women specifically, but then you have this woman who's not a Jew. Mm -hmm. So that in that time was very scandalous for him to be talking to her alone at a well, you know, and then um, scripture tells us she'd been married multiple times. So she probably felt shame in that way. Mm -hmm. She felt as if she should not be talking to this rabbi, but she probably also wondered, what's he doing here? Because Jews didn't normally travel through Samaria because they detested that culture so much. Yeah. And yet you see Jesus deciding, I'm going to go here into a culture where I'm not supposed to associate with people. I'm going to associate, and not only with someone, but with a woman who had multiple husbands. And so she wouldn't have been the most, quote, respectable person in that society according to the human standards. Right. And he he leaned in, mm-hmm. right? He could have walked away. He could have kept going, but he leaned into that moment. And I just think that's so crucial mm-hmm. to how we live our lives and like what a great example he gives us. And not only that, think about it this think about this, the fact that um she was one of the first people to be able to announce that he was the Messiah to her area. Come on, that's good. Right? (laughs) I mean, he sees her and he lifts her up from a low place and he's God, you know? And so I think that sometimes we think that God is trying to lord over us and command us to do things and has these ill intentions for us. But when you look at who he is in this situation, you would see the opposite. Another time is the feeding of the 5,000 where he's been ministering with the disciples for uh, all day, you know, and then the people are hungry mm-hmm. and he's like, we got to feed them. Right. And he tells the disciples, he says, you give them something to eat. Mm-hmm. And they say, how? <laughs> and he said, I just empowered you to go to all these places in my name. Mm-hmm. And then he shows them, right? So mm-hmm. even when we don't feel equipped or even when we show doubt, he equips us mm-hmm. and he demonstrates this is how you do it, mm-hmm. right? Through service, through the power of my name, through the power of my spirit. This is how you minister to people. Yeah. I think that when I look at Jesus's life, I notice, you know, he was human. Sometimes we want to lift him up as if he had no weaknesses. He was not tired. He did not want to eat. He didn't want to get away, but that's not true. Mm-hmm. And so I think about how much self-control he had to use in order to love on people um, when they were all around him, to be patient with people who misunderstood him, um, to be patient with theologians of the time who were getting scripture incorrect and he knew that they weren't teaching it well. Um, The patience that he had, I mean, there's one time that he definitely blows up in the temple, but, (laughs) you know, with like a righteous anger at the time. And so it's really interesting. all of these things. So if you look in John um, 12, I love the scripture. Basically, it says um, Jesus is replying to the disciples. He says, the hour has come for the son of man to be glorified. Truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains by itself. But it dies. It produ- if it dies, it produces much fruit. The one who loves his life will lose it. And the one who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. Where I am, there my servant also will be. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. 
And then I love that. I love the fact that he says the son of man must be glorified. But what was the glory? <laughs> I mean, it didn't look like glory for him to be crucified. Yeah. In the way that he was. Um, it didn't look like that. And sure, the father was going to raise him um, mm -hmm. once he was dead. And after three days, raised from the dead and be by the father's side again. But the way in which he says that he is glorified, I have to die just like a grain of wheat falls to the ground. It has to break apart and then it can produce fruit. And this is something I think we all need to take to heart when we're reading the Bible is that very often we read hard things in scripture that tell us to die to ourselves and we don't want to, but we can't produce fruit unless we allow that to happen in our life, just like Jesus did. Yeah. There's no fruit without the pruning process. Mm -hmm. You have to cut away all that old and dead stuff. And I love how even Galatians talks about walking by the spirit versus mm -hmm. walking by the flesh. And that is hard. Mm -hmm. And even when it says walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. Like yeah. you cannot do both. Mm -hmm. So you have to die to self. You have to die to what you want in order to glorify the father. Mm -hmm. And that is countercultural. Yeah. And I think that's why it's so important that the Holy Spirit felt like it was valuable enough for us, for him to live in us because we can't live live according to God's ways without his guidance. That's right. Yeah. Not in grace. We can, if we want to like try to do it legalistically and be frustrated, but, um, the Holy spirit basically said, if I live in you, I'm going to empower you to do this in a way that's graceful. So you're not going to do it out of shame. You're not going to do it out of obligation. You're not going to do it, um, to earn God's favor. You're going to do it because there is this, um, desire within you to love and to become more like God. And I'm going to give that to you, but you're going to have to work hard at it too, you know? Right, right. And I think so many believers, I see this all the time in student ministry, that they don't understand that balance, I mm -hmm. guess, just of living by the power of the Holy Spirit under grace and not under the legalistic side of it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's something that even in my own journey with Christ I've had to learn but just the freedom that comes from that and the freedom the Holy Spirit gives us mm -hmm. to abide in God mm -hmm. is overwhelming mm -hmm. you know yeah so one of the reasons why we're talking about this today is because if you can find a specific theme that's carried throughout scripture like servanthood um, and you realize that this is something that not only God embodies, but it's something that he carries throughout scripture itself, then you can, you can understand that when we read scripture, we need to look at whatever scripture we're reading through that lens. Okay. So the lens here is that when you're reading scripture, if it's talking about dying to self, we're talking about the fact that Jesus did it too. God did it. The Holy Spirit is serving us. So we are to serve one another as well. The theme of servanthood is not just for Jesus, not Jesus's situation when he dies. It's not just for you know him when he's born in a manger. It's for someone who decides, I'm going to be, I need it. I feel like God's calling me to be a leader. Okay. What does a leader look like? Yeah. It, it's like at the very beginning, even mm -hmm. of our Christian walk and of our 
of our call to live out what God has for us, Mm -hmm. I feel like service is at the core. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think we forget, we want to separate like, well, I'm a CEO at this corporation. Okay, you are. You're also a reflection of who God is Mm -hmm. to the people who you're leading. And how are you leading? Are you a servant leader? Um, And I think that there are times when, when we can't always be necessarily service oriented and how we lead. Sometimes we have to direct. um, And that's, there's, there's like a balance in that, Mm -hmm. but our heart should be to serve the people um, that we are around. And so if leadership doesn't look like service at all to you, then maybe the, maybe your definition of leadership is incorrect according to what God would say, you know? And so I think that that's why we're talking about this today is that sometimes there are, there's a theme in the Bible that goes throughout. And so when you read a scripture, you can't just grab it and cause it to say something it doesn't mean um, because we have to pay attention to the fact that leadership is also servanthood. Yeah. And so those two things have to go hand in hand. So servanthood's a th- theme throughout the Bible. I don't understand how we do it all the time. I don't understand why God serves us. I mean, why did he choose this? Um, I love that he's a God unlike any other God. If you study other gods, they want you to serve them. Um, And it's all for the purpose of that God. And and especially in Old Testament times, if you you gave things to the gods, you hope that they would listen. And they like you would sacrifice a child or you would sacrifice your harvest or you would sacrifice something hoping that the gods would give you something back, but not ever knowing whether they would. God's not like that. Yeah, and even in the Bible... Like the religious leaders, mm-hmm. they looked on servants as like just a lowly yeah. state, you know? And so Something when Jesus, they wouldn't want to be. Right. And so when Jesus came, it just went against everything that they thought mm-hmm. because they looked down on the servants. That's mm-hmm. not, they wanted to build themselves up. And Jesus is saying, no, you have to make yourself low before mm-hmm. you're going to be built up. Yep. And we're going to talk about some of those instances after the break, but right now we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk about specific people and instances in the Bible where we see this servanthood theme carried. Crossroads Summer Camp has been providing an exceptional summer camp experience to students and their leaders since 1996. Held in Anderson, South Carolina, Crossroads aims not only to be the most fun week of the summer, but our primary goal is to create an environment for each camper to be seen, known, and have a life-changing encounter with God. We bring in dynamic speakers, including Clayton and Shari, great worship leaders, and a huge selection of activities for any teenager in your student ministry. So head to CrossroadsSummerCamp.com to learn more and register your group. See you this summer! Welcome back, Overcoming Monday listeners, to this podcast where we're talking about the servanthood theme throughout the Bible, and I'm here with my friend Sarah Randolph. Hey. Hey. And uh, so right now, we're just going to kind of walk through some people that Sarah and I have specifically just kind of picked out that we remember had to either serve or develop a servant attitude um, when God (laughs) called them. Obviously, this is not going to be everyone, um, but we just kind of pick some people out so that you guys can see in the full narrative of the Bible, like the meta narrative, you're starting in the beginning. We're kind of trying to go toward the old and new, giving you some examples of servants in the Bible. The first one is Moses. Um, 
I think he felt that calling when he realized that he was also a Jew, but he was still living in Pharaoh's house. He saw what was going on and he realized his people were being persecuted. I think at that moment he realized that there was something that he needed to do. He didn't handle it the right way at first. He (laughs) murders a man and then he's scared and he runs away. Um, And he spends life as a shepherd for a little while with a family out in the desert. And I think that period of time humbled him a little bit. And that's when he meets God. He sees God in a burning bush. How cool. Yeah. Which I actually learned that word bush is, is translated tumbleweed. Oh, crazy, right? Yeah. So I don't know. Makes sense, the desert. (laughs) Maybe it was spinning and there was sun on it and then it looked like it was, who knows. But all that to say, he sees God in a bush. God speaks to him and says, go get my people. And pretty much Moses and God have a little bit of an argument as to why he's not the one to go. Mm -hmm. And you kind of see a little bit of reluctance in him as a leader for a lot of his life. Why am I chosen? Why am I doing this? You know, I feel like he felt like leadership was a little bit of a burden, um, but he loved God and he was willing to do it. Yeah. And I I just love how God set him apart from his birth. Mm -hmm. You know, you see from his birth to the burning bush that God had a plan for him. Mm -hmm. And God, I feel like God put those feelings of injustice in his heart that this is wrong Mm -hmm. and I need to do something about it. Mm-hmm. And then I just also love how his actions after that, like you said, he didn't handle it the best, mm-hmm. but that didn't disqualify him, no. that God still chose him and that God told him, you know, I will give you words. You just speak what I tell you to, you know, I'll give you words. You don't have to worry about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes service doesn't always look like we think it will. Yep. You're right. And I think what's really neat about Moses and the thing that impresses me, I think maybe the most, although that's a great statement, but when he said, I can't do this, God's answer was, I am, Mm -hmm. I am with you. I am. And, and that statement I am is I am here. I've always been here and I will always be here. When you go, I will be with you. I will teach you what to say. I will tell you what to do. Really, it's just about you serving me, about you knowing that I'm here and I'll guide you. And so if we're trying to lead out of our own strength, I think that goes against the life that the Moses gave us, the example that he gave us, um, you know. So there's one. Um, David was a shepherd and he was also a little bit of a reluctant leader at first. <laughs> yeah, and David was, I feel like, such a humble beginning, mm-hmm. the youngest, the shepherd, um, wasn't even at battle with all his brothers, you know, when Mm -hmm. Goliath was out there and God called him and he's, and I love in David's story, he wasn't king immediately. Right. Like it, it was years and years. Yeah. 14, I believe. And between the time of his anointing to where he actually came into power, um, being chased and (laughs) killed and like intended to be killed by Saul, um, on the move, uh, fighting as a warrior for his life and for the his people at different times, um, marrying a woman he loved and then losing her. You know, a lot of different things happened in David's life yeah. before he actually came to power. Yeah, and I feel like maybe those times as a shepherd taught him, mm-hmm. like patience, taught him service, taught him. Reliance. It, yeah, because um, he's out there and 
he's defending his animals. He's protecting them. Mm -hmm. And he had to rely on the strength of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And even when Saul was chasing him, trying to take his life, like he tells us in Psalms, I have nowhere to go, but you, God, like Mm -hmm. you are the only one on my side right now. Yeah. And I think that the time in David's life that impresses me the most is when he's in sin and Nathan comes to him. And as a king, he could have not listened, Mm -hmm. um, but he chose to humble himself, which is hard for a leader to do. I mean, you and I have seen plenty of leaders who have been, quote, caught in their sin, who did not repent um, and did not finish their life well. Mm -hmm. And so um, I am so humbled by David's story because I went to, I pray, I'm about to cry right now. I pray that I will always be open to Gosh, I don't know why I'm so emotional. I want to be open to God's conviction. I don't want to be someone who becomes hard and cold because I feel like I'm above or better than something that God would have me, than who God would have me be and how he would want me to behave. Well, let me just tell you, I feel like I definitely see that in your life. Mm -hmm. And I know that the Holy Spirit is at work because I see him guiding you and Mm -hmm. I see you responding to that and I know you're sensitive to his Mm -hmm. leading so I feel like the Lord is evident yeah in your life in that way all right we just had a moment there uh let's talk a little bit about Noah's wife um we don't even know her name but I just think about this woman who's married to this guy who God says hey by the way like I'm going to destroy the world and there's going to be this giant flood and you need to build a boat (laughs) and it's going to rain and what, did I, what was his wife, think, wife thinking? I mean, surely she had to be by his side and help him do this thing. And you don't hear much about her, but man, I think she was probably pretty strong and powerful. And as a servant helper to Noah, we don't even know her name. She served us. We exist right. because she said yes. Yes. And the impact that she even had on her sons and her husband. I feel like the wife has so much impact on her husband. And mm-hmm. I see this all the time in my own life and for her to support him Mm -hmm. and to help him Mm -hmm. and to serve the Lord in that way is really incredible. Think about if she had just said, Oh, you can build the boat, but I'm not going. And then God was like, okay, so I think I need to make another Eve out of Noah. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) That would have been a weird story. All right. Um, so let's move on to the new Testament. Um, we have the example of Paul who, dominant leader, killing Christians, uh, pretty much probably know it all, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, super powerful, super influential. Um, he is blinded. Jesus says, hello, why are you persecuting me? Paul, he falls off a donkey, pretty much is blinded. He is humbled. God does humble him, but he could have become bitter and angry and Mm -hmm. not lived out his purpose. Instead, Paul repents And he decides, I'm going to serve God with my life now. And that was humbling to go back to the people who he was persecuting and say, hello, can I join you now? Yeah, I can't even imagine, especially because those people were fearful of him. Mm -hmm. Like when he converted and he went back to teach them, like those people were afraid Mm -hmm. at first. And so I can't imagine having such a drastic change in my life. And then having people hesitant to even be near me mm-hmm. and the humility that must have taken for him to day after day, keep sharing who God was. Right. And 
one thing that I think isn't pointed out quite often is that there was a long period of time, I believe it was about two years, where Paul was kind of in a like um, circling pattern, like a plane, mm-hmm. or was it was that called when they're in the they can't land and they're circling in the air before they actually land and reach their destination. Paul didn't enter into ministry right away. Right. He was, st- I don't know what he was doing in those two years. I mean, we just know he was studying out there, interacting with people, but I think God was giving him everything that the humility that he needed. I think he was proving himself to the disciples that mm-hmm. he was trustworthy and that he wasn't a traitor. All these things that we don't know in that kind of two year lean limbo limbo, right? Yeah. yeah. Here, here's where my words are having a hard time today. Um, but I really respect Paul for that. Here's another, um, example is the disciples. Um, can you imagine having a career or knowing what your life was going to be? And then a rabbi coming up to you and saying, Hey, will you follow me? And you just leave everything and go. No, it's so hard to imagine, yeah. especially in our day and age. I'm sure it was hard then, but especially now. Yeah. It's almost like unthinkable. I mean, we have heard it so much that it feels natural, but who just drops everything to go and follow a person? You know what I'm saying? That's like t- today we would think it's a cult. Oh, yeah. To be honest, yeah. we would say, oh, I don't know if that's healthy, you know? <laughs> so that's crazy. Um, and then, well, if we rewind, sorry, into the Old Testament, Joseph was such a good example. Um, he was obviously abandoned by his brothers, sold, mistreated, accused uh, by Potiphar's wife of being uh, raping her, basically, or pursuing her. Mm -hmm. Um, And then he was enslaved, all these things, but he ends up becoming a ruler. We want to think about the time that he was ruling and everything that God did, but think of all the ways. His attitude, I think, of service. Now, we don't know all of his thoughts, Surely there were times when he was angry. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the end, he says to his brothers when they meet him, look, everything that you did to me, you selling me into slavery and disrespecting me, it's all been for God's benefit so that I could save you. Yes. I love the story of Joseph so much. And I feel like um, God, I mean, it said, it tells us in his story that God showed him favor. And I can't help but think, maybe because of all that he went through, that he did have to learn that attitude of humility and mm-hmm. service. And because of that, God kept showing him favor in all of his positions. Yeah. I think when we uh, serve other people, we're afraid we're going to lose something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I believe that God gives us more when we're willing to lay down our lives for him. I mean, John 3.30 says, he must increase and I must decrease. And that's just truth. Um, But it's scary to decrease ourselves or to allow God to take parts of us away. And we think we're going to lose the bad stuff, but really God just increases the good. Yeah. You know? And we feel like, yeah, exactly what Mm -hmm. you just said. We just feel like we're going to lose maybe who we are or what we're doing, but God only increases it. Yeah. Uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, is a great example, too. I can't imagine what it would have been like to all of a sudden become pregnant, but not have done anything indiscreet and everyone's looking at you like what woman what's going on and your husband or your fiance thought about thinks about leaving you but then he doesn't and you're the mother of God and then I'm thinking as a mom how hard would it be and intimidating would it be to raise the son of God yeah which I don't think she could have possibly understood what that meant but she knew she was called 
to do something special. And so trying to understand all of that and still serve God, that would be a hard rule. Yeah. And I, even just thinking about all these people, a lot of them are young. Mm-hmm. Oh and, yeah, so true. And God calls the young. And mm-hmm. that's, that's why student ministry is so important. Yes. People, that's yes. why we're doing what we're doing because God can use you and mm-hmm. he has a plan for you and he has a purpose for you. And these people, they were young, they were in their teens, and they were willing. Mm-hmm. And that is just huge. Yeah. Willingness, I think, is the biggest thing. It, I, um, I, there was some song in the 80s I remember, it's not my ability, it's my availability. Um, and I loved that song. But anyway, so Sarah, the other day you were talking um, to me about why servanthood is necessary for our Bible reading. We were kind of talking about how it reflects how we see the Bible. And um, specifically, you said, you told me, I asked myself the other day, what is my motivation for reading the Bible? Yeah, so I was just thinking about this conversation and just the Holy Spirit was just working in my heart and mind. And I really felt him say, well, really, what what's my motivation? A lot of times it's probably entitlement. Mm-hmm. We have this sense of, God owes me something, mm. and I'm going to read the Bible to get an answer from God. I'm going to read the Bible for Him to fix me or for Him to show me something. Instead of, I want to read the Bible to know the character of God, and I want to read the Bible so that I can use my giftings from the Holy Spirit to spread His Word, to build His kingdom. You know, our motivation a lot of times is self, mm. and self and service are not the same. They're really opposites. Mm-hmm. And so um, and so I just think that instead of reading the Bible to see what I can gain, my question my question or my motivation should really be I want to read the Bible to see how I can give, to mm-hmm. see how I can serve mm-hmm. out of the abundance of, you know, his word and the Holy Spirit. Yeah, so I think one of the biggest questions that I get is what's God's will for me or what's God's will? And so I think that that is an indictment, not an indictment, but it just shows us uh, basically a lot of times why we're reading it. We're Sometimes we're reading it to solve a problem or to solve an issue or to give try to find an answer to something or mm-hmm. a path in life. We think God's just supposed to tell us our path in life and we think the Bible is the source of that. And our path in life really, and God's will for us is for us to know him. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the ultimate thing we're supposed to be seeking. But I think we want to we want to hope that God will give us a plan. We're looking for the plan and not the person, you know? And yeah. so that's what's so hard. Um, in Luke 20, 45 through 47, Jesus is talking about the religious leaders of the day who are practicing the law for attention um, instead of living from an attitude of service for the people. And, um, and I know that you are say you just wrote here basically in your notes that they were seeking self glory. And God said that these people would be judged more severely than say other people. And that is scary, it right? Is, it is scary. And I see that, you know, I see that in myself. I see that in church leaders mm-hmm. that were seeking this self glory mm-hmm. and, that we are going to be held accountable for those things. And so I just, it makes me want to, you know, question myself even more, my Mm -hmm. motives, and Mm -hmm. just make sure that I am reading God's word 
through a lens of service, through a lens of servanthood, but also I'm reading it to delight in who God is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that if we're thinking about the theme of servanthood, um, one of the things that we should understand is that it's part of our quote job as Christians to know who God is. And I, and I hate to say the word job. I wish that I calling maybe is a better word. If we're called to know who God is, should we not spend time in the word? Right. Should we not make ourselves servants of God's word, which means that we're going to have to work hard and we're going to have to study it. But when someone comes to us, how do we serve them well when they ask us a question about the Bible, if we're not applying ourselves to our own understanding of it? So one way we serve God is to understand his word and who he is so that we can help others when they have a situation where they don't have understanding because primarily God will teach each of us, you know, through the word of God. Yes. But a lot of times he uses other people to show us things in the word. And so if we're talking about why do we read the word, why do we read the word with an understanding of service and servitude, not servitude in a bad way, but servanthood, I guess, it's so that we can help others come to a better understanding. And if we're not diligently trying to understand ourselves, can we help other people understand who God is in an accurate way? And I would say, no, we might be giving them inaccurate understandings of who God is. And so if we're truly servants of God who want to serve him in our reading of the word of God, we have to give ourselves to diligence when we're reading um, and so that's kind of what this podcast is about is just to talk about the fact that a servant attitude existed in God before he created us. A servant attitude is shown through the father, the son, and the Holy spirit. We also see it through all the different people that we've mentioned today and multitudes more in the Bible, but also it should exist in how we read the Bible and how we view our, um, calling to understand the Bible in relation to like who we are here on earth, which is ambassadors of who God is. We speak who God is to the people around us. And if we don't read the word and we're not um, pursuing him, then we can't do that well. Yeah, you can't serve out of an empty vessel. And I feel like that when we start getting frustrated with people mm-hmm. and when we start um, wanting to serve out of emptiness that that's when we need God's word the most Mm -hmm. and that's when we need to go back to the character of God Mm -hmm. when we find ourselves um, trying to reach people and instead of showing them grace we're showing them our frustration or anger or like they're an inconvenience to us um, Mm. then that tells me that I'm not walking near to the heart of God Mm. yeah because God's not like doesn't have a number chart up there saying, cha-ching, okay, we got that one. Cha-ching, okay, we got that one. He's seeking relationship, you know. Um, I want to close this out today with this verse. I love it. Mark 9.35 says, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. (laughs) If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. Which is hard. It's hard to read that and to say, okay, in reality, I'm going to look at this world And I'm going to choose to be the servant of all because it seems like you're making yourself a doormat. (laughs) But really, that's the strategy that Jesus has given us, that the Lord has given us. He's shown it to us and he's calling us to live it out. 
So, Overcoming Monday listeners, Sarah and I hope that today we've given you some little secrets for your big breakthrough in your Bible reading, specifically about the idea of servanthood in the Bible, that it being an overall theme that we need to remember when we're reading scripture. And we will be continuing this season in the coming weeks, so we hope that you will listen to all the episodes in this season of Overcoming Monday. We're thankful that you chose to listen to Overcoming Monday, a production of Clayton King Ministries. This podcast happens because of you, and there are three ways that you can help us reach even more people. One, be sure to share us with your friends and follow Shari on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ShariKing99. The second way is that you can also make a tax-deductible donation to Clayton King Ministries, a 501c3 nonprofit at claytonking.com slash give. And third, of course, subscribe to our podcast. Get on your favorite podcast platform and hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And for more encouragement to move you forward in your faith, check out Shari's amazing blog at shariking.com. Thanks again for listening, and we hope that we've given you something to help overcome this Monday.